Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be playing some Space Crusade. All right, man. Now, Space Crusade. Ordinarily, yeah. before the show starts, we have a, a little bit of banter. Um, yeah, you that's know, right. Uh, before we get going. But I want to save the banter for when we actually start talking about the game because in this week's banter, it's going to be intimately tied to the subject matter of the game. So we'll just move it okay. right along down. Wow. And uh, right. we're going to talk about what's been going on on our site. Did you know we have a website, Aaron? I've heard it's that. A, it's a I've URL on the World Wide Web. It's everythingamiga.com. And there's a new article up. You want to tell us about it? You got that right. Yes. This is, of course, uh, this is on everythingamiga.com. It's from our good buddy, Graham W. Webke, a, a, very, uh, a very important, very awesome contributor. And this article he has entitled, Not Quite an Amiga, It's the Milton Bradley's Vectrix. And Graham goes into the Vectrix, Milton Bradley's Vectrix, which, of course, I have one of these things that the Brent bought me for, for my birthday for Christmas years ago. Boy, I love it. One of my most treasured possessions, uh, as you know, mm-hmm. both. And Graham goes into the, sort of the background of the, or sort of what's in the Vectrix, uh, the uh, the games for the Vectrix, and then he picks uh, his personal favorite games for the Vectrix. Now, I looked over his list here, Boat. Now, Boat, you've played some Vectrix, because you've played some of mine. Uh, did you did you have a game? Did you remember playing any games that you thought were particularly the, awesome? But you were yeah, fond of? I really like the pole position clone on the Vectrix. What's that called? Oh, boy, you put me on the spot here, Boat. I right off the top of my head, I don't remember the name um, of it. Uh, it's it, but it is it is a really neat game. Let me see if it's one. Oh, hyper chase. Hyper chase. Okay. The way? I, I, to me, hyper chase is a little more turbo because there is a pole position on. It's a, a homebrew, right? No, there's an actual pole position, like a license really? pole position. Okay. On, yeah, on the Vectrex. But I think hyper chase is a more interesting or more. Oh, I, I take it back. I've played pole position. The yeah, the, this yeah. I, I did not. I did not play hyper chase, but I did play pole position. I really like any games. On the on the Vectrix because I'm a sucker for the vector monitor. It just looks so cool. Um, the, e- even if yeah, you don't and have, you, and you can't even, even if you don't have the overlays, you can still have a yeah. good time with this thing. You know, I don't have any overlays, both. And and the thing is, I own lots of mm-hmm. games, but I don't have any overlays. I got no boxes either. Um, Brent got this thing in a package, but I do have two controllers, which is a is a rarity. Uh, uh, to get the two controls, my Vectrix had my, the reset button stuck on mine, so I've got to ask. Yeah, I remember I was had the guts I, to go in there and play and do and fix I, it. I was <laughs> present when that when that when that started because we were we were having a good yeah. time. My buddy from Korea was over looking at the arcade, and we were going oh, through yes, some games. Right. And all of a sudden, the fun times were over. He was blown away. He by loved the it. That was his, that was his favorite yeah. thing in the whole arcade, not the pinball machines or the uh, the other stuff. So yeah, awesome. Thank you, Graham. The Vect- the Vectrix is, is a great machine. If you ever have the luck, I mean, some of you may already have one. You know, we got a lot of retro gamers that listen to the show, obviously. So if you've already got one, hold on to that thing like Grim Death. And if you're looking to get one, 
you've probably missed your window, Boat, because these things are, they have went up in price exponentially. And I mean, if you're going to get one, get one soon because the, and they're going to be long gone. They're, it may be too late. And you not for the, I think Brent paid two or 300 bucks when he got me this package. And this would probably go for double yeah, that now. Yeah, I so, agree. There you go. But it's a great, a great article. Uh, thank you, Graham, for submitting that. And if anyone else wants to contribute, uh, uh to, uh, uh, an article on everything, Amiga.com, you're more than welcome. We, the more the merrier. If you've got something, a neat story to tell or an interesting, hardware review or software review, whatever you want, man, we're, we'll be, we'll be down. Absolutely. Just send me an email, john at amigospodcast.com and, and we'll get you set up. All right, Aaron, let's switch over to YouTube and talk about what's been going on on this channel. So we had an interesting week, but we said, we said sayonara, as a lot of you know, from last week to a couple of our shows. I think we went on a, on a pretty mm -hmm. good note. Uh, last week when we took a look at uh, our, the final episode of our Sinclair boat, uh, at least for now, uh, was Ninja Scooter Simulator, mm -hmm. a uh, um, a game where you're not a ninja, but you are on a scooter. I kind of enjoyed this. I think I enjoyed it more than most. But, I mean, because it's, it's dumb, stupid fun, and the price was right, because as I recall, this was only like a couple right, bucks. Right, right. Uh, you know, <clears throat> we never take that into account. And here recently, we've started taking it into account. Uh, I mean, of course, now it's irrelevant. But, I mean, back in the day... Uh, and we talked about this with uh, the Coco game last week. If you'd paid two bucks for a game of the quality of Ninja Scooter Simulator, you'd be down with the clown. If you paid thirty bucks uh, for a game like that, you would not be down with the clown. You would be you would be look like a clown financially. <laughs> right. So, but uh, yeah, it was a sad but fun send off, and uh, we appreciate the nice messages everyone's uh, sent us uh, uh, about the R Sinclair. We've got we got a lot of feedback about the show getting put in a hiatus boat and uh, everyone was real kind we appreciate your kind words and i'm sure at some point in the future we'll be back and we're definitely not abandoning the the uh, zx spectrum as a as a platform we're going to be putting out a lot of content for especially now boat tell them why um the cool new file oh yeah you know i we don't do a uh, a sinclair news and i don't even know if this is a new thing or not but uh somebody it's new to us yeah it's but. new to us somebody posted on our discord there is a, a tap a single tap file you can put on your uh div mmc future and it 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 gets rid well it doesn't really get rid but it gets around the eight character file limit it narrows you down you don't get a, a ton of games. i think you get like 200 games but that's still more 400, 400 games more than i'll ever need you know yeah. Um, and I mean that uh, that's that's yeah huge because at us. one point I did put the entire Toast collection on my Div MMC future and it the it was yeah. so big that it bogged down my Specky so I couldn't actually maneuver inside the file system it was no good yeah. so I had to have him on the Atari the same very similar yeah. situation you can't just do a mad dump or you're or you'll be right. blown so I would suspect both that we're going to be hearing a lot of you uh, streaming some Sinclair in absolutely the very good. Um, next on the docket uh, from last week, uh, let's talk about the Coco Show, uh, our final Coco Show. And this was an interesting show, Boat, because Boat actually fired up his Coco uh, briefly to demonstrate a very unique uh, aspect of the game, Battle Stations, which was a bat, which was a uh, battleship clone of the you know the, a board game clone on the Coco, very well done one too. Wasn't this it, one really surprised me with the level of polish that that went into it. Yeah, and they used an interesting technique to simulate a uh, a Morse code at the beginning of the game. Just for it's just for a demonstration, but they actually 
they actually work the relay for the tape deck inside the inside the Coco, and it makes it sound like there's a Morse code message coming out of your Coco. It's it's a physical sound. It's quite interesting. I've never seen another game that no, does it. Me neither. You know, it was yeah, quite, quite very neat. cool. And the game was good too. Um, let's bounce back to uh, what we talked about last week on ARG Presents, Boat. Last week was a look at the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, uh, and what they had to offer in 1985. This was actually kind of fascinating to me, but you know, I've never been. I know you're a big NES guy, and so it's Brent. I'm not, and so I never really paid much attention to basically the American launch titles, uh, which is effectively what they were. I mean, uh, the uh, Brent told me that the the NES launched in America in October of '85. So you're talking about, uh, you know, these are the games that were uh, available sometime between the launch and the end of the right. year. And I would wager most of these had been around for a long time in Japan. Uh, and uh, it was an interesting lineup, uh, Bo, just just for my own edification. What, did, what was your opinion of the quality of the lineup when that thing came out? And did you have any particular favorites out of those initial You know, offerings? I will stand by this claim that the Nintendo had the best, most well-rounded launch lineup of any console or computer in history. Uh, never before had a console launched with so many games and so many quality games. I'm not saying that every single one of these was an all-time classic. But so many examples, if, if, if you look at the sports games, these sports games were head and shoulders above anything else available in the home, bar none. I mean, if you look at a game like baseball, the graphical fidelity of baseball was so far above what, what I mean, if you look at like, what was the next best baseball game? Maybe something like yeah, Earl the, Weaver or in television baseball the, or something like that. The only thing I would put ahead, I agree with you, by the way. Uh, because I was talking to Brent. If you think about '85. Mm. We're not that far removed from when the uh, the VCS, the Atari Twin Center, was the main console around. I mean, really, some people would say up to '85, it still mm. was. And if you look at something like a real sports baseball or or a home run baseball or a real sports baseball, I mean, they don't they look like absolute garbage compared and play like garbage compared to the uh, what you get on the NES. I mean, the, the VCS wasn't known for its sports titles. The only one that I could see that would be at the same wheelhouse would be. Uh, the baseball and football offerings on the Intellivision, while they weren't as graphically exciting, they you know they uh, they were more they were a more realistic oh, yeah. simulation. Oh absolutely. Sport, I, I, Especially, I mean, football had that huge playbook. Now, was it fun? I wouldn't put football as a fun game just because you have to co continuously look at that playbook. Mm -hmm. But I would put baseball up there against almost any baseball game just because of the way yeah, it played. Yeah, I agree. But with I mean, you. don't get me wrong. The NES uh, launch baseball was, it, it, I mean, was very. But again, good. it's it, it all comes down to the fact that the the NES had a two year uh, runway, you know, in Japan where they could yeah. see, okay, these are things that work and these are things that don't work. Now, of course, the more advanced games like Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers came out less than I think three months before in Japan, so it wasn't like Super Mario Brothers was that old. But of course, that was the pinnacle of the system, and they knew that they, that that needed to be a launch title. Had you, had you played either one of the games we covered, which was Wild Gun, uh, Wild Gunman or uh, Wrecking Crew? I'd not played either of these games until that until last yeah, week. Yeah, in fact, you read both of my reviews on the air. 
That's true. But I mean, you, you were pretty familiar. Uh, with I I've played uh, I've played all of the NES launch title games except for the Rob games because I've never had a uh -huh. Rob. As you know, I, I've got a collection of boxed uh, launch NES titles. Or at least the Black Box series was the first two years of of the NES. Uh, 85, 85, 86, 87, They were being released, mm -hmm. and um, you know these the the two that you picked are not two of my all-time favorites. I think Wrecking Crew yeah. is, is a pretty solid game. Wild Gunman is 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 sort of not, you know, it's it's sort of a gimmick type title, but of course most gun games are not really deep experiences. But I think that it's it's uh, I'm really glad that you guys did this episode because uh the the story of the launch of the NES and all of the finaglings that went on to make it happen is, is very interesting. Um, and of course, I've got such a, a personal uh, affiliation with the NES that, that I enjoyed this episode. I will say, oh, thank you. And I will say that Brent's uh, behind-the-scenes stuff on on Wild Gumman was real interesting. I'd never heard any, I, I'd heard just a small bit of that stuff. It was cool. I thought that oh, was yeah. pretty neat, especially for a game that was kind of not the best. But anyway, for an ARG, uh, check that out. Uh, this week on ARG, we're going to be filming uh, Sunday. We're going to start our uh, our our uh, sort of tribute to the fallen shows this week uh, by adding uh, pieces on the wheel for each show, an Atari 8-bit piece, a Spectrum piece, and a Coco piece. And those pieces will remain on the show, uh, on the wheel until uh, our Thanks for Giving Marathon in, no in November. And uh, if they roll again and again, we'll just play those again and again. So we could, there's a potential to play a lot of Spectrum, a lot of Coco, and a lot of Atari coming up this coming week. We're going to be playing arcade games that have no buttons. So that if you're interested in seeing what that looks like, that's what we'll be doing Sunday morning on ARG. Um, we also want to talk about... Uh, <laughs> this was an interesting uh, video we shot, Boat, and which was uh, Saturday. Boat came over the house for the first time in... Gosh, how long has it been since you were over here, Boat? I mean, it's been a dog's oh, age yeah. since you were here. Oh, yeah. I can't even remember the last time I was over. But Boat came over. It's the first time we'd seen each other in person forever. And we just sat by the pool and talked for two hours. <laughs> and I answered questions. That's all we did. And it was so much fun. I had so much fun. There was a special appearance by my dad. That was great. Off pizza. <laughs> um, we, uh, uh, we just answered a horde of questions and, of course, went off on a million tangents. I had more fun doing that boat than I think I've had for a long time. Just it was fun. For one thing, it was nice to have company mm -hmm. after all these months, and uh, it was a beautiful day. And we just sat back on the back porch and chatted. I really enjoyed that. So if you're into, if you want to hear a long, lazy uh, summertime conversation between me and Boat, uh, check out Ask the Amigos June 2020 edition. Uh, boat just put that up, I believe, two days yeah. ago. Have I missed anything, Bo? I think, I mean, you've done some Twitch stuff. I don't know if you want to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, you can that. always, I don't always put my, uh, export my Twitch streams to YouTube. Um, but uh, if you want to see me get more and more increasingly frustrated as I try and get get decent video <laughs> output out of the Coco through the capture card, yeah. you can uh, go to twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming and, and check out the VOD. Yeah, and also I, I, pl I got on last Friday and played about... Uh, Oh, on two hours of Laserdisc games. If so, if you're into Laserdisc arcade stuff, I'll probably stick that on YouTube at some point. But if you want to watch it right away, uh, uh, you can check out that stream. And I will probably do another stream tonight or tomorrow night. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but just for fun. Uh, cool. Well, Aaron. That's it, Boat. It's time. The gamble trains are coming. I hear it round the bend. Uh-huh. 
The gamble trains. The gamble trains got something. It's this got week, tons it? of stuff. So many cars okay, in the gamble man. train. Okay. All right. We're gonna start things off talking about some of our favorite things about the Amiga utilities for OS four. Oh yeah, man. it's back. That's. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> What do you got for us? So, bro? you know, a big part of demos is showing off all the cool graphical tricks of your computer of choice, right? Okay, yeah. And the, 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 the best way to do that is to generate lots of 3D imagery and move it around while some Euro dance yeah. trash plays in the background. If you're ready to build your next demo for the one of those crazy European demo parties, this is what you want. You want Shader Joy ver, uh, version 1.8. This thing was just released on uh, May 31st, 2020 for OS4, and it really allows you to create some impressive 3D effects. Um, there is some more information on the uh, on the YouTube link in the show notes about how you can how you can get it. But uh, yeah, super, super cool looking stuff. Now, Aaron, I know you're a big demo guy. You used to watch these things and listen to Floyd all the time, right? Well, yeah. At a certain time in my life, I was a real big fan of demos of Floyd, but I, not so much now <laughs> as I was then. But yeah, I like a good... Uh, I, listen, uh, it's neat to see what these machines can do when pushed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the time... I think that my interest in demos is more on the classic systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a proper system that can kick a bunch of... But look at this yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, is there any doubt you can go to work with this thing? I uh, uh, I am I am impressed, um, but I'm also... I, just, I don't know enough about it to make any intelligent comment on what I'm looking at. I don't know what Shader Joy is. I don't know what... He, I vaguely know what Amiga <laughs> OS 4 is. I, I just stay clear of the whole darn thing. <laughs> All right. I play games mode on old on old machines. That's all I do. <laughs> and tinker. now uh, we do have this this. Uh, I know that this guy is sort of famous, and normally we don't promote you know new new intro screens because I mean, what are we doing here with this show? But I don't know what that even means. We, new? Oh, you mean like a demo? So this screen? is this is like it's like a crack screen, really. So people uh-huh. are still making, even though the no games are left, all the games have been cracked at this point. People are still making new crack screens. And our boy Bonefish is back. He did the code. You remember Bonefish? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. We're moving on. Uh, (laughs) Next up is David Pleasance. I know him. Mr. Pleasance to me Well, I call him Davey because we're tight. Oh, look at you. I forgot. You guys partied in Ireland. So, um... He's got a new website, and he is sort of... Uh, this is the season, I guess, for a lot of these well-seasoned uh, Amiga members to launch new websites with the Oliver Twins last week, uh, David this week. Uh, this is... Uh, he's put out the call to... He's going to create a directory of uh, Amiga community members, okay? So he says, if you run an Amiga okay. or Commodore club or are part of a podcast, YouTube channel, or live stream, if you're involved in any way possible... Register, and you will be included in the PDF definitive directory, which he will make available free of charge on his website. So, so we're, we're we got to get in on that. Absolutely. So you remember? Dave's you remember boy. the uh, the? It's funny, you know. Starting this new job, I took some pictures of my bookshelf. I don't know if you saw those or not on Discord. Yeah. And uh, it's funny those books you were pulling off there. I've owned so many of those. Books. And. 
There may be one or two. There's a mob. One shelf. of the books that I pulled off the shelf was the Internet Yellow Pages. This thing was published yeah. <laughs> sometime in the early to the late 90s. Yeah, that thing's great. So what David is doing is he's sort of creating his own Amiga Internet Web uh, Yellow Pages, uh, a full directory. This should be pretty neat to sort of uh, peruse through and see uh, what all the different members of the community are doing. So uh, Dave, yeah, David's I, website I, is davidpleasance.com. Easy. You know, I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me. With all due respect to Mr. Pleasance, this is going to have to be a fluid document that gets, I mean, a database right. would make more sense than a document because this, anyone that streams, everyone streams everything mm -hmm. all the time, you know, and you never know what, you know, podcasts and web shows, they come and go, you know. I mean, it, that, and also, what it, to what end? What's the point well, of this, this exactly? Is, this looks like. Uh, you know, he says that he's going to make available free of charge on his website. He's not he's not said what his website on the whole is going to be. This is just going to be a, another part of his site. So maybe he's maybe his plan is that he's got something cooking. He wants to draw people to his website by giving away this PDF, and that's the hook. Remember those when you were like in school mm -hmm. and you get those things back listed. Do you want to get listed in the gra graduate right. honors? Like superlative leather bound encyclopedia edition. It's like send twelve dollars mm -hmm. to loser, and you send it in, and they put your name in there somewhere, and you're like, look, I'm in the encyclopedia of awesome. Mm -hmm. That's is that what we're going? You know, here? I hesitate to use the term bait and switch because I don't want to disparage the fine name of David Pleasance. Oh, I don't think Mr. Pleasance would hose but, you. Uh, Listen, we do like I, Dave. David's a David's been real nice yeah. to Joe. So whatever he's got cooking, I'm on board instantly. I'll be. We'll, We'll submit our name to anything. That's right. And we, but I, I just can't figure out what we he's We will up follow to. up with this. In fact, real-time follow-up. I'm going to go to davidpleasance.com. Oh, and you mentioned the twins. I've seen them pop up a lot this week. So you're right. Tis the season to get okay, down. Okay, so all that's here right now is just a, a form to fill out to be included yeah. in the definitive directory. So we'll, we'll keep track of this, and we'll see, we'll see what comes down yeah. the pike. Just see, Uber scooter driver just said he hopes he includes BBS dialing numbers. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly the first thing that popped into my head was like BBS numbers. That's the way they used to be databased back in the day. I love it. Well, good luck, Mr. Pleasant. Up next, we've got a video from 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast. Our friend Doug is back. Oh, yeah. And this is a toastorial. It's witty. Oh, this is the great. new tech video toaster on the Commodore Amiga. Uh, I guess he has acquired a toaster, or maybe he's already always had a he's toaster. He's had one, yeah. yeah. And uh, he is uh, setting things up. He's taking us through what's going on. Uh, Aaron, have you ever been in the presence of a video toaster? I own really? one. Believe it or not, yeah. In that big, big wad of stuff we sold. It's funny, like I've mentioned this before, but when we had... When we got all this super rare Amiga stuff and sold it, I, we weren't really doing anything with the Amiga, and so it just didn't take much. We were like, I know, I knew what it was, and I knew what it was worth, but I mean, I didn't really mess with it. And let's face facts, uh, Boatster, uh, OBS is a still in progress, still being updated, modern video tool to do similar things the toaster can do. And me and you stagger around like idiots trying to True. use that. There's a zero percent chance we'd have any luck with the toaster. Uh, I mean, the toaster is a, a cool piece of kit, but just the additional—I mean, all the stuff you need for it—it's just—it's. I mean, listen, you're a smart boy. Maybe you could figure it out, but I don't got the no, time. No, you know. But I mean, I think it's cool what Doug's doing. It's because you get to see what this thing was the big deal when New Tech came out and said, "Listen, here's our boy." 
this was going to be the savior for the Amiga. I mean, this thing is a hot to trot and was used for years. So it's neat to see someone fooling with it and kind of showing exactly what's yeah. happening. So I'm, I'm all Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. And he's the man to do it. Up next, Aaron, there's been, I've been reading a lot on uh, the Discord these days about people selling new, um, new CPUs. So this is, uh, okay. this is, there's a guy on the Commodore Amiga Facebook group. He's selling new 060 Motorola chips. This is something that okay. I never knew there was a market for. Like, New, what do you mean? They're like newly made? I don't know if they're newly made. It says, it says renew, but is an original printing. And then there's also one that's renew mixed printing. Um, and it says... Uh, yeah, I think that he is actually somehow they are manufacturing new sixty-eight thousand O six O chips. Now, my wow. question, okay, my question is, why yeah. if you've already got, can you just pop one of these into an Amiga and immediately upgrade it? Like, can you put one of these in a five hundred and then all of a sudden you've got a five hundred with an O six O in it? Absolutely, I didn't not. think so. <laughs> For one thing, that that's a different chip that go, in a different socket. Right. No. So the so answer my, is no. There's going to require some additional. My question hardware, is, is, you're not going to put it in a five right. hundred. My question is, if you've already weird. got an Amiga that can support an O six O, shouldn't you already have an O six O? Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, uh, the O six O accelerators are. Uh, Let's say they're rare. I mean, you're, listen. Let me let me put this in. Another, remember when we first did the show? We started talking about hardware. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I was like, well, okay, I don't want to go there again. So I'm just gonna say this. Oh, your boy here could never afford. I couldn't accelerate jack squat. Okay, so the, all the accelerators, the Amiga 4000. I was. I don't have much experience in that. All right, that's out of my ballpark. Uh, but. Uh, uh, you're not; those aren't stuff you're going to see a ton of back in the day. Now, and I didn't know; I don't know the status of the 060. I assume it's long since been out of production. I can't imagine why they'd still be produced, but you never know, man. Who knows what people produce? I well, don't I can know. tell you that so if you someone in the chat would probably have a better idea. If than you I want would. any one of these 060s, they range in price yeah. from 165 to 270 dollars. Yeah, one would wonder. Now, of course, listen, we know the answer. That's why we'd say it. If you're going to pay 300 bucks for a processor, then you're going to be required to get some sort of accelerator to put the processor in. You could probably go out and buy yourself a vampire or something. Now, I know purists don't want to do that, but if, I mean, if you're looking at it financial, I guess if we're going to look at it like that, you can just run an emulator. But I mean, hey, I guess having a bunch of these around is better than not having them. How about I'll that? Me and you ain't getting one, pal. I can tell you that Let's right now. Let's go with that. I like the way you put it. Yeah. Up next, Aaron, this is a video that was just released. You know, we, we, we often talk about how the Amiga was not really a big deal in Japan. Um, I made a, uh, a t-shirt that I put up on our uh, AmigaTees.com site um, that uh, is, uh, it has some pictures of Amigas and it has some katakana on it. Uh, and that's one of uh, our biggest selling shirts. <laughs> so yeah. Really? Um, are you being sarcastic? That's a hundred percent true. You can, you can find no it right kid. now. Um, okay. So, uh, Anyway, there is, uh, it turns out that there were people that used the Amiga in Japan, um, in theory, and there is a way that you can actually get Japanese script to appear on the Amiga using some uh, third-party tools. 
So anyway, this video, which is in Japanese but is subtitled in English, uh, will uh, take you through all the steps that you need to be able to uh, set up uh, hiragana slash katakana slash kanji on your Amiga. But Interesting. You know, now that uh, uh, Vicky is over there, maybe she'll spread the word yeah, yeah. Uh, throughout the lands, uh, 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 the tell the tale of the Amiga, and maybe all of a sudden we're going to get a lot of Japanese action. So, uh, Vicky, go to yeah, work. Absolutely. All right. Um, I just want to make sure that that is the right the right URL. It is the right URL. Yeah, if you go right here, uh, it's it's called Amiga in Japan at AmigaTees.com. One of our top selling t-shirts. What what prompted that, Bo? Because I, I thought ask. people would buy it because it looks freaking cool. <laughs> Listen, that's why you're the master of, of products <laughs> right there. That's all you need. Next up, Aaron. This is an older video, but I hadn't seen it before. Uh-huh. Actually, no. So it's new it does. was released June 2nd, 2020. I take it all back. <laughs> Wow, that, what I that meant old. to say was that this is this is an <laughs> older uh, game that they are comparing it to. This is a God's remastered. I know you're a big God's guy. I do like yeah. God's. That's true. Uh, and uh, he, this guy is actually doing a port comparison, something we've done a little bit in, in our, our site in the past. The Xbox One S remastered edition versus God's on the venerable Amiga 1200. Now, did you ever play this new version of God's, Aaron? You know, did we not, didn't we have a a cup of coffee talking about this years ago, how someone was going to redo gods, and this must be, I think that this is it. I remember uh, watching a video of it. I mean, you could, listen. Remember how you were uh, making fun of the werewolves in London guy and the way that he walked? You're not allowed to do that anymore, because do you see the way that this guy's walking? He makes the werewolves of London guy look like James Brown compared to this guy. The werewolves in London guy looks a lot worse than this guy. I'll grant you, this guy has a a unique gait. I'll give you that. But if you compare these two, yes, the the Xbox S version is shiny, smoothie. You know, it's one of these... Listen, I've been playing a lot of... uh, You know, on on the stream a couple weeks ago, I played some shooters, Mm -hmm. right? Some shmups. And they've got new versions of like uh, Galaga and uh, 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 a few other games that 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 they've put a new sheen over, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then you can hit the button, and all of a sudden the sheen's gone, right? right? And this looks like that, okay? Uh, hey, um, if more people play it, and this and that's what they want, that's cool. But I, you know. Uh, I would just play the original. I don't. I mean, I, it's okay to play the new one. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's not that big a deal. It looks at least they didn't monkey with the game. If they didn't monkey with the game, I mean, that's this that's is cool. another one of those Gy- where you can switch between the old version and the new yeah. version on the fly too. So, yeah. Gyrus was like that. I played that on the uh, Xbox 360 arcade, and it played perfectly fine uh, with the new graphics, without the new graphics. That's cool, and the gameplay was the same. So, I mean, it's nice. It's neat that someone still wants to play Gods. It's funny of all the great games. Like you got Lionheart sitting mm-hmm. there. You're gonna remake Gods. Well, you gotta remember me? that Gods comes with the whole like Bitmac Brothers mystique. People love those guys for reasons that escape me. But I like the Bitmac Brothers. I like the opening theme to this. But again, are you kidding me? This is the this is the game that that makes it. This travels throughout time. It gets yeah. a remastered. Can you first. imagine I mean, if on. they ever if they were if they did a re-release of Lionheart? Boy. They could real. There's a lot of material to work with there. I I would be fully in support right. of that. 
plus it's sitting there. It's what the license is wide right. open. Someone could go to work on that. And I mean, yeah, there were things you didn't like about it. We could, we could, even if uh, we could both agree that there, it, that was a much more intriguing platform uh, game 100%. than this is. And that we've played, and we've played plenty more that were more. I, I like gods too. I'm not killing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. This is it's funny to me what these games that suddenly get this boost up, they get the upgraded graphics and stuff. I mean, it's, I don't know how these games are the ones that get selected, even I mean their popularity or something. I don't know, but I mean, I mean hell, even even something like Speedball Two, you could glean that up and release mm-hmm. that, or that then you'd have right. something. I mean, you got something. Right. I don't know, but yeah, good for him. I hope it does well. Hey, remember the uh, the when they redid Shadow the Beast mm-hmm. a few years ago? That's another one. At least they completely redid mm-hmm. that one. That's a whole like a whole different game. Right. So, but you know, yeah, I, I don't know. know. Uh, up next, Retro Man Cave, Aaron. He is back, and he is doing a trash to treasure on the Amiga Four Thousand. Yeah, I haven't got to see this one yet. I saw this. Pop I watched up. this last night as I was playing Space mm-hmm. Crusade, and Neil just he does such a great job in everything that he does. I mean, every so everything sweet. that he does turns to gold. But. Uh, he he's definitely very fair in his uh, in his breakdown of the four thousand. There were a lot of sort of weird engineering things that were of suspect uh, in terms of the ease of use and taking out Zoro cards and things like that. But he gives you a full rundown on the background of the machine. He talks about the utter disappointment and failure of AGA, which I was cheering. I was cheering. He talks about the triple A chipset, which would have truly been game changing. Then he talks about. Did he mention you when he badmouthed? I the could DGA? sort of see it in his I, eyes. I he sort of it. winked at me through the screen as he did it and i just lost respect for and uh, i can't believe he badmouthed the aga and so uh he but he goes through he talks about each one of the chips uh and of course it's a trash to treasure video so there's a lot of dirt a lot of filth and stuff that he's got to get rid of uh his part one video basically gets you all the way up until he gets into the nitty-gritty and then next week is really where he's going to go to town restoring this thing so uh very very cool to see an amiga 4000 i actually thought it was kind of neat because um looking at he showed several pictures of the 3000 and in my mind the 3000 and the 4000 look the same but really the two the 2000 and the 4000 look more similar than the 3000 and the 4000 yeah 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 the 3000 they sort of I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. different. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. I assume that at some point in this, Neil cleans this thing with a brush mm-hmm. while smooth jazz. Absolutely. The it's the it's the Retro Man Cave. He's way. got the brush because he's a smooth customer. Yeah. There's the brush right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Look at that. Look at that slot set up on that thing. By the way, it's right down the middle. The longest set of slots. <laughs> They looked at they looked at the Vica, Visa local bus slots, the pizza head, and they're like, "Nah, I can do better. That's too short. Yeah. We need two. <laughs> we need two of those. Completely, completely in a line. <laughs> I love it. Oh. I'll be watching this, Neil. I love this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, up next, do you remember talking about Aaron a game a couple months ago released on most of the eight and sixteen bit platformers called uh, the Curse of Rabenstein? Okay. Well, he is the the programmer has released this into uh, the open web. The source code is now available. So I guess if you want to go in there and you want to tweak some stuff or do something else, you can do it. I know that this was a pretty big release. It's sort of a horror uh, graphic text adventure game. 
Um, and uh, so I know that there are a lot of people out there that like it. And so when this came up on the Discord, uh, I wanted to make sure and let everybody know that you can you can get download the source code, download, uh, compile it yourself, do with it what you will. I see a future stream and you're and you're uh, coming up for you vote, and that's it. You sit down with the graphical text game and get your people oh, together. Oh man. And, and, you, and you just sit down and spend about six hours going yeah, to work. that's right. Okay, up next is uh, the Scorpion editor, Aaron. The Scorpion. That's right. What's that? Remember the Scorpions from Germany? Yeah. Here I right. am. But you, like you, were like, you were like say you were introducing them in some sort of a weird Cockney accent. No, that's that. I heard them announced that way once. Oh, okay. Stuck it was like Scorpions. on top of the pops or something like that. <laughs> so um, anyway. Um, this is sort of a, a, a thing that you can do. You can take sprites from other games and you can uh, rip them out. You can edit them and animate them to your heart's content. Just like the shader program, this is probably not something that you or I are going to monkey around with too much, but it's neat that there are still um, tools that are out there for taking Amiga-based sprites and doing fun things with them. Now this is on the Amiga. This this product. No, this is a Windows a Windows tool. But you yeah. can rip sprites. This, this the the tutorial is from a newly released Amiga game. I know I know a little bit about sprite ripping strictly from my time uh, messing around in the Mugen mm. zone back when I was playing doing a lot of Mugen stuff. The uh, multiple you know the multiple fighters. Yeah, the Homer thing. Simpson so they're, versus they're Popeye. Ripping, yeah, they're ripping sprites like there's no tomorrow <laughs> right. in that community. You know, they've made it, they've taken it to a new level. So this is cool. I, I, good. I mean, I'll, can I do this? Pfft, no. No, I can't do it. But it, I'm sure people that are far more talented can do some cool stuff Absolutely. With Finally, Aaron, I'm going to show you a picture, and I want you to tell me what it is. All right, you're going to, you're okay, I'm ready. What is it? Uh, can you zoom in again on that? I, oh, wait, hold on a second. Get... Let me do this. There we go. Okay. Uh, can uh, hmm. Let's see here. Nope, nope. I don't okay. know. Well, no, I'm gonna I want to tell you what it is. Yet. But when I first saw it, and the reason why I'm including it in the Amiga News is I okay. literally thought that this was an Amiga promotional razor. I thought someone had taken a circuit board, crafted it into a handle, and this thing at the top was a razor, and people were selling like an officially Amiga branded razor. Wow. How much did you drink that night? <laughs> that's not <laughs> lay off the lay off the turpentine. That's folks. not what this is. This is this is an Ethernet adapter for your Amiga. For it's a Zoro port Ethernet adapter. So okay. if you've got 140 euros laying about the house. And you think to yourself, boy, I can think of nothing better than to pour this money into an Ethernet adapter for my Zoro port. You have that option. This is available to you from the MicroAmiga.com web store, which uh, believed to be a French site. And uh, you can uh, get your get your Amiga on as long as you got Zoro two or Zoro three uh, slots. I got Zoro. I got no Zoro. Mm, nothing. And neither no, do you. We're no, bummed. Okay. We don't need Zoro it's slides. True. It's true. I do have a PCMCIA wireless card for the 1200. I guess I could stick. I never have wired it up, but I guess I could. Yeah. I don't want to be on the network. I like be. I want my old computers to be completely network yeah. free. Off the grid, as it were. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, 
That's it. Exactly. You actually thought that was a razor. I did. I saw it and I thought it was a razor. I actually was I was already starting my script in my head for the show tonight where I was going to introduce the razor. I was going to build in a thing about how you, you trim your beard sometimes. And If we could raise enough money at the next Amigathon or whatever, will you shave with one of those? Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. It might take me a while. I want you to shave your head with one of those. <laughs> All right, Aaron. The gamble train is pulling away from the station. It's limping out of the station after the that. The lonesome wail of its bell tolls over the hillside. Oh, my God. As we move on. You're really full of it this week. Into this week's game, <laughs> Space Crusade. Space Crusade. Now, Bo, you know, we're both big board game guys, aren't we? Now, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Tell me about, before we get into actually what this is and anything like that, um, yeah. do you remember the first game that you played that was actually like a hex-based type thing like this? You mean on a no, PC? No, no, I mean in actual a... life. What? You mean all, not on a computer yes. is what you're saying? Meat space. <laughs> wow. That's a weird way to put it. Uh, the first hex-based game I played. Well, this is this isn't hexes, but uh, uh, the first game where you move around guys and yeah. fight and just like this. It probably would have been. Well, I mean, I played D and D, so I mean, you when you play with the maps and stuff, you mm -hmm. can do it like this. But we seldom right. did that. The one that comes to mind would be the original Mech Warrior. Played a lot of that, uh, and that's one where you move around a board on a hex. Of course, you know, I'm a big fan of Champions, the superhero game. And Champions is all hex-based until the newest edition, which we won't talk about. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, I do a lot of map, moving around maps. But actually, uh, you know, I, I have never, I maybe one time at the store played some Warhammer, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, Space Crusade, I guess just to get a, get the ball rolling a little bit. And maybe, I don't know, but have you played any of warhammer or have you played well, this game the board the game first time the first game that i ever played that was like this was actually at, at jamie's house with your brother yeah. and it was yeah. that hero quest game right that i have i have played that and that it is similar but i'd played stuff we know mm -hmm. well before that but yeah of course it would be it was same you know same right. outfit um this is a the space crew just to, just before we get into the actual video game space crusade is a uh is a is a Game. It's a board game based on the Warhammer 20k uh, war game that is that is made that is made, uh, and it is a pretty complicated game. And so what they did was they sort of took a lot of the complicatedness out of it, and they made the board game Space Crusade. And then of course they made a video game based on the board mm -hmm. game, very similar to what they did with the Hero Quest. Uh, they're sort of similar. We did. I can't remember. Did we cover? We covered Hero Quest on here. No, once, I don't, I don't I think recall. we've ever have done we, Hero Quest. And we never mm -hmm. done that one. Um, I've played the board game. In fact, I owned the board game and I sold the board game, and for big money, I might add, to a friend of mine, because uh, those games go for a lot of money. I, I don't know what the actual board game for Space Quest go, or Space uh, Crusade goes for these days, but I know Hero Quest goes for huge money. Um, one thing I know about. Uh, uh, Space Crusade, or, or, or and really Warhammer 2020 said they're Warhammer, the game that Space Crusade is based on, is super duper expensive, and you to get into it, you almost have to be a lifer, don't you? Both? You do. I mean, the, the, those guys are really in the like 
collecting miniatures, painting them, paint, and you don't just paint like a c- couple miniatures. You're painting like huge mm-hmm. armies, aren't you? Buddy? You've got to, it's. This is uh, in them in America, and, I, and maybe all over the world they have these. They actually have stores, games workshop stores that are retail yeah. spaces exclusively, uh, you know, dedicated to the Warhammer universe. Uh, right. I'd never been in one of these until uh, very recently uh, when I was visiting my sister in Delaware and I went in one and I was amazed at, like you said, I was amazed at the cost. I couldn't imagine because when you're buying packs of these figures, it's not like you buy a pack of 50. You're buying like three yeah. or four at a time at like 20 or 30, 30 bucks a piece. So to amass a large army, you're talking a significant investment and these things don't come painted. You got to buy the paints and all that stuff and there's a real art to painting. Uh, and you can't buy the talent. Can no, you? <laughs> no. Not to mention all the environments and things. It is very impressive. I will say that the the Warhammer universe is not an attractive universe to me because it is a universe bereft of any sort of art, culture, humanity. It's all based on combat. Everybody's trying to kill each other. Everybody's trying to get in. Because I did some research after going to that store. I was like, well, maybe this can be a thing that I can get into. You know, they have novels and all these things. It's not a thing that I want to get into. This is, and, and a lot of people that play the game, they they don't pay any attention to the lore. They just like the strategy element to it. And there's a lot of people that I guess yeah. are the other way too. But, um, you know, the, it just seems, uh, it seems it's it's a very, very violent universe. The war, I guess with a name like Warhammer, what can you expect? Let's talk about uh, uh, the people that make it, Games Workshops. Uh, uh, not to get sued over this, but the scummiest of bags, boat. Right, these they're they've got a rep in the hobby world for being ruthless, like evil, like corporate scumbags. They 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 you can't even sell their products until you meet their criteria, and meeting their criteria is tough. Mm-hmm. And it's keeping hold of their of their stuff in your store. They do not do you any favors. I mean, now I. I haven't talked to a hobby store guy for years, but I used to talk to the guys back in Lexington back in the day and the guys locally here, and these guys always gave them trouble about keeping products in the store. I mean, they're real stickers. They would send people to your store to check mm-hmm. it out. They wanted to make sure that their stuff was all in exactly where they wanted it. They wanted it up front. They wanted a massive display. They did not screw around. So <laughs> they were not to be trifled with, that's for darn sure. Uh, and like you said, the the, the game itself, and I, it was it's a... Uh, 40k was a didn't even come out till I think it was around 87. Uh, it's when they first debuted it, but boy, it took off. I know people that painted for this, and and there are people that will paint figures, uh, and you can buy them on, buy them on eBay uh, for those that aren't uh, so lucky to be uh, skilled in that department. I mean, buying the figures is one thing; having them painted is nothing. You can imagine having an army of mm. guys uh, that you've had to go out and buy and have painted. You're talking thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Yes, you could go up into that area easily in this game. It is no joke. And I will say, having gone to Charcon so many years, it's our local gaming convention, and been to Gen Con too. There are. It's not like this is the only game in town that does that. There are sailing games and other army games and mech games. You can spend an unbelievable amount of money on these games that involve miniatures. Mm-hmm. So it's logical to take a game like Warhammer 20K and, and sort of, uh, uh, or 40K, I never came remember which I one I think it it's is, 40. And sort of boil it down to its base elements to make it so it's more approachable and cheaper for people to get involved in. And then it's even more logical to reduce that into a video game, which is what they did. And that's how we got here to Space Crusade. 
Uh, this came out in 92, a uh, boat, uh, on a couple discs. Now, one thing you've got here is, uh, you've, you've, when you start the game up, the first thing you do, it's pretty basic, isn't it, boat, when it comes up? You just, you comes up well, with Well, this a, is your classic uh, Amiga nonsense. I know that I'm in, and in, in, I, I, well, I actually, this is going to be an exception, but most of the time, when I know I'm playing some strategy game, and the first thing that I see is four freaking flags of the world on the screen, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it's freaking settlers all over again. This is going to be a horrible experience. That's exact. I knew before I even read out the stats, I wanted to mention that when you see the flags, it's like, okay, <laughs> time to go find the manual. Um, so now get this boat. This thing was a uh, copywritten. It's a license from Hasbro International. Uh, this is the only game that Hasbro was involved in on the Amiga. <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, developed by an app called Rapier, who only did uh, one other game on the Amiga. It was MiG-29 Soviet Fighter okay. uh, boat. Uh, this was coded by a fellow named Michael Hart. Uh, the graphics were done by Adrian Carlos and Kevin Dudley. Um, <laughs> get this game. Adrian Carlos worked on a game called First Class with the Shoe People. Which I would, have you ever Put heard of that? Put it on the list, man. I want. I want to play that. And then he, here's another obscure game he did graphics on. Zool. Oh, okay. So, he went. So, uh, the other graphics fellow, Kevin Deli, worked on the Heroes Quest. Hero Quest. Now, the music in this game, especially the title music, you'll probably gonna be like, "Oh yeah, it was a pretty rocking tune." Um, all the music in this game uh, was done by Barry. Uh, Leech or oh, yeah, Letch, famous, famous in the Amiga scene. Uh, among amongst the things he did the music for was Lotus mm-hmm. Two, Silkworm, uh, Ultima Five, Utopia, tons and tons of stuff. You know, uh, Supercars Two. The other musician who worked on this, and I think only he, he only worked on one song was a fellow named uh, Ian Howe. Uh, he was he did some of the music for the Humans games. If you remember those, um, this game got a re- release. Uh, on a bunch of, it got ported to a bunch of different stuff. In fact, I was just when we started the show, I had just been looking at the IBM version of this, which is no good, mm. by the way, no good. Uh, but uh, this was on the Amstrad, the Atari ST, C64, DOS, uh, Sinclair, uh, and uh, the and the Timex got. Are you serious? The Timex TC twenty forty eight. Wow. <laughs> which I'm assuming that was no, the yeah. ZX Spectrum, like uh, shove over. Um, so what do you do in this game? Let's just get down to the nitty gritty here, but we went over the particulars here. Um, when this game, first of all, you, we mentioned that the flags tell you it's going to be all pictures, doesn't it, Boat? It's going to be no, so that right there tells you, get the docks ready. Uh, however, this game, you could sort of get by without having, I read the docks, and I'm guessing you probably looked at them too. With the exception of some keyboard shortcuts, there was nothing and some background on what uh, the plot of this game is, which is don't really mm-hmm. need to know. There was not a whole lot of earth-shaking revelations in the docks no, where they're no. both. Did you see anything that well? You could turn the in-game music on yeah. and off. You could you could use shortcuts to control your guys. There, you know, at the, the beginning keyboard. of the docks, there's this whole thing. And if I if I was like if I was I always picture myself because most of the time when I was reading the instructions for games growing up it was like in the car on the way back from Circuit City you know you can't wait to get home so you tear open the box you start reading the docs um, there's this novella at the beginning it's not really but it, yeah. but it makes you I don't know and I was reading just a text file on Lemon but it makes you feel like you're going to be doing the stuff that this thing describes it talks about moving ships around and stuff you don't do any of that in this game. 
So I thought that that was a little bit confusing. Um, but once you get down to the actual gameplay mechanics of this game, uh, it is, it's very, very, very straightforward. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, it's so, I was expecting a real, a, something really complex, and it's not hideously bad. No. So, Boat sort of gave you a, a shortcut of what this game is going to be like early on. You've got a, uh, you've got a, a grid map that comes up. First, once you pick your, like, your team, uh, and you get to pick from a, uh, three different selections, uh, you, then you pick your mission, which I've, you know, I've played a couple of different missions, but, and there's, there's everything from, uh, annihilate everybody to rescue somebody. There's a bunch of different missions that they're sort of it's, like, what it's, you would it's, there's a lot of missions and there's a wide variety of mission types. Yeah. And once you pick your mission, you've picked your team, you're ready to rock and roll. And so you click on this, a new square that pops up that looks sort of like a spectrum game. <laughs> it looks like it's an isometric view of the board. You go in. And you've got your squad of guys, you and your squad of guys, as you control all the guys, and the, and you what you've got here is your is your old the old turn based special. You go in, you move the guy, you click to move them, you click to have them shoot, you click to have them th do anything hand to hand, uh, scan the whole nine yards. And there are a box at the bottom of the screen that are full of the commands you could have these guys do. It's pretty self-explanatory in the boat in terms of the way you uh, in terms of the way it operates there was no i was not i kept waiting to be surprised or annoyed by something and there were no it wasn't any deeper really than your initial thoughts right. was and the, the interface doesn't get in your way uh i thought that the interface was extremely extremely well designed uh, you know, every all the options were clear from the beginning what they did, and if you didn't know what they did, you just clicked on it once and you knew what it did forever. Um, I yeah. like the fact that you can click on different objects on the screen. There's multiple ways to do everything. So you can, sc you can scroll the screen by using the arrows on the sides of the screen. I believe that yeah. you can scroll the screen by using uh, keyboard shortcuts. You can also click yeah. on the mini-map to to explore the the scene and then once your party splits up it's an easy way to go back and forth so you don't have to rely on scrolling the screen which quickly becomes annoying you instead you can click on the mini map to rapidly negotiate yourself around the map you also click on the mini map to determine where your objectives are located which is also very yeah. useful um the uh whenever the the uh your guy is selected you can either select your guy by clicking on him or you can click on his portrait down there in the side. You can see there the, the guy's hit points, and you can see which guy is currently selected. I guess it's a Warhammer thing to have your commander uh, unhelmeted, and then all your other guys are helmeted. Um, and then up in the top right corner, you see your current weapon. And um, the, uh, the weapons all have statistics, or they all have attributes. Uh, the attributes are in the manual. The name of the uh, weapon is listed on the screen. The only major complaint I have about this game has to do with the weapon and, and the, this weapon screen. They have more than enough room to give you more information about what the weapons do in that upper right-hand corner window with the size of the text that they already have on there. It was a little bit annoying to me to have to continuously refer back to the manual to remember what each thing was supposed to be used for. Now, that all said, when you click to fire your weapon, it, you know all of the weapons have very specific firing patterns, and of course you've got the weird like sword thing uh, that uh, you can use for hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
Um, but uh, that was a way, you know, and, and I, I sort of kind of remembered what the weapons did just based on their firing patterns. But the problem is, is that you don't get to see the firing pattern until you, you, you know, you click on it. And after you, I guess what I should have done was looked at the firing pattern before moving, but I always wanted to move first and then look at the firing pattern. But anyway, I was very, very impressed with the overall, there's a million ways to do a game like this wrong. And I think this game gets uh, the, the gameplay, the interface 90% right. Uh, the interface didn't, you're right to a certain extent, it didn't get in my way. I, I didn't hate it. Uh, I would have still liked to have had text or something underneath the picture, but I mean, it is what it is. The pictures give you a rough idea of what's happening. Uh, you're right about the scroll on the screen. I think you could also, as I recall, you could hold the button down, and if you hold it down long enough, it'll let you scroll the screen that way too. Because I remember doing that. So yeah, you've got you've got plenty of options for scroll scrolling the screen. The thing is, you don't have to rapidly do anything in this game. This game is a slow. I mean, it is super duper slow. It's just like molasses flowing at Christmas time down uh, uphill. It ain't going nowhere. You got all the time in the world. Uh, to to do this because it's all turn based. So if you're into that sort of uh, if you're into that sort of game where you've got all this time to kill, you're you're this will be right at home. This is the perfect game to play where you're like watching TV or uh, uh, listening to music or doing something watching else. Watching Kind of walk over. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the uh, I did like. I mean, it does what it does well. The, the firing. I like the idea. It shows you where your guy can move. It shows you where your guy can uh, shoot. Uh, it do, you know yeah, that's all I actually think standard I'm, stuff. I was more impressed with the UI in this, and I know this is going to make a lot of people angry, but I felt like I could negotiate the, my way around this interface easier than I could play in UFO. UFO is a much, much, much deeper game. Well, it's though. really we'll not. It's really not. You're doing the same thing. You're moving the guy around. You click on the shooty shoot button. It rolls a percentage, and then you get damage. Well, that's what we know how to do. There's other stuff, and that's not. It's discounting all the other elements that are involved. You're just talking about the alien. Well, the, I mean, the, all the well, other. Well, yeah, I'm comparing on. what this game does in that way and what UFO does in that way. I, I wasn't apt enough at that game to to make it compare. I mean, you may be right, but I, I don't know to tell you on that. But this game I thought was pretty simple. Again, I've, I've played that Hero Quest game on the Amiga, so there are similarities between the two. The uh, uh, I found this game difficult. Uh, I uh, I'm not I'm not a total idiot, and so I'm I'm not saying I'm the best at these games, but I'm not I can do okay at this game. I thought I mean I thought I had an idea what was going on. The problem I had is, uh, just starting off the first level, is that you can do well, but your guys sort of get whittled away. Mm -hmm. the, your, the guys you've got with you, I mean, we should mention that when you get into an actual combat scenario, so when you first start on the map, you're sort of unloading from your pod. Mm -hmm. You're in this area, and then you're, you'll click your guy, and it'll tell you how far you can move him, and you move him. And you'll, if there's no one there, you've got the option to, like, scan the area. One guy can scan the area. And when you do that, uh, like, this beat, uh, this light will come out, and it will give you an idea of where everyone within the, per the, that, the, the perimeter of that light is. So you'll get an idea of where the enemy is, okay? Then you can kind of head toward them, and you can be darn sure they're going to head towards you. And then when you get into combat range... You can you can either try to shoot them or you can approach them for hand to hand and they'll be darn sure trying to do the same. And then when the actual combat happens, uh, you will you will get this isometric view of a room, and you'll see the guys in the room and you'll see them doing stuff. And either one guy will die 
or the other guy will die, or no one will die. Uh, and the the cut scenes are not great. Let's just say that they're well, just okay. generic. I'm going to stop you there because they're okay. not generic. They procedurally they generate the environment that you're in. It's not like battle chess where it's just like they show two guys, boom. Like you actually see a 3D rendering of the exact corridor that you're in. That's one of the coolest parts of the game. Um, I really like being able, like, because sometimes you'll see it, it'll, you'll see sort of a little bit, you'll see somebody firing down a hallway or something like that. Plus, you get close-up animations of the enemies. There's a bunch of different alien types. I don't know how many of these scenarios you played, but there's a bunch of different alien types in this game, and they all look super cool rendered out in 3D. I think you're selling that part of the game short. I, I don't. I think it. I think this is, like, not attractive. I don't think it does the Amiga any favors. Rendering this stuff, you act, you act like that we're getting some kind of mist-like rendering. <laughs> this is these are grid patterns. They're not not impressive, and the sprites of them are not impressive. Plus, it reminds me of playing like one of these Japanese RPGs where the two guys get together and the combat's like, eh. like when you do hand to hand with a guy, it just shows one guy go poke, mm-hmm. and the other guy melts. Yeah. It's like that was the poke. That's of death, realism, man. You know, it's it's Kevin Nash. If you're if you're an NWO fan, the poke of doom. Tune music. That was uh, his thing, right? I'm not I'm not buying it. Uh, it doesn't look good to me. I don't. I wasn't impressed. Now, I mean, it's not. A, it's a it's a mind. It could not be in the game, and it wouldn't matter. But it's. I didn't think it was that good. Plus, most of the time, I was me melting. <laughs> that didn't help either. Uh, when you do the big beam, or when you know there are people there, you don't see what they are. They're, uh, they're, and this took me, I, the first time I played this, I kept looking at this, wondering what they were. Well, what you, what you do is that you know there's someone there, but your radar doesn't tell you what sure. they are. And so you get a little, like, a, a, an icon on the screen that sort of signifies that there's someone mm-hmm. there, like a little starburst, but you don't know who right. it is, which I think that's fine. Like I said, there's a, there's a lot to like in this game. Uh, I like, um, uh, if you don't mind the tedium, if this is, again, this is, this is important, Boat. If you like, these turn-based games, and you don't mind moving your guys one at a time down a hall, then shooting with all of them, then waiting for the enemy to do their turn, then doing it again, rinse and repeat over and over. If that, if you're cool with that, this game is perfectly acceptable. For someone like me who doesn't play games like this uh, all that often, I thought it was a pretty simple affair. It was straightforward. You sort of knew what you were doing, you know? You and they did a good job uh, showing you what was happening on the screen, and uh, everything was uh, you know everything was fine. the The downside of it is, uh, is I didn't like the the difficulty. And I, granted, I'm not the best, but I played this game a lot, and I think I used pretty sound strategy. But it's it's remarkably um, often that you will that you'll have a guy come at you from a distance or something and you weren't prepared for him and there's not a whole lot you, you can can't do. You can't do anything. And then you get mm-hmm. nicked right, right there. You get nailed. And then you've lost a guy. Now, you can go over and pound that guy, but you just cost you one of your mm-hmm. guys. And it's not like you've got 100 right. guys. You've got a few guys. And so I would just keep getting whittled away until I was down to my last toughest guy, the leader guy. And then eventually, the leader can only do so much because he's getting overwhelmed. He's getting pounded on, and he would, and I would lose. And I never successfully uh, finished any of the scenarios, uh, which I was irritated, frankly, by, because I played this more than I normally would play a game like this. I played a lot of it. Did you have uh, success when you were no, playing this? No, I mean, I, I couldn't. Okay. I couldn't. I tried lots of missions, and I couldn't complete any of them. I just felt like the enemies kept coming, and my guys kept dying. 
Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit torn because on the one hand, I think that this is an example of how you can do a good board game to video game conversion. On the other hand, I feel like maybe the board game itself is just not that great. Uh, you know, it's, it's very, very simple. And here's the thing. What makes playing a board game fun? It's doing it with your buddy, okay? Yeah. So if there, if, if there was a way that you could do a two-player experience with this, which, I mean, that you couldn't really. I mean, you could, but I don't know that it would improve it. It's different when you're rolling dice and you're moving guys, you know, you're moving guys along a corridor and you're rolling dice in real time and you're fighting against the aliens. If you're doing that on a board game, it feels different and it feels more fun than if you're doing the same exact thing on the computer. And you're right, it is very, very limited animations. It would have been cool to see, you know, to use the lingo of today, death animations or kill animations, uh, you know, as, you know, as you're destroying or being destroyed. And it would fit in with the theme of the game too. Um, I want to say that this is a, you know, it's a good game. Is it a game I'm ever going to play again ever? Probably not. I mean, it's just not that much fun. Um, but I respect this game for what it is and what it accomplished. I respect it for having a UI that was good, that was responsive, that didn't get in my way to let me do what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Because I would play this again. I'll tell you why. Uh, and I normally, this is not my cup of tea, okay? That said, uh, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy the slow pace of some games, and I like the fact that there's no time limit or anything, that I could, there's a turn limit, obviously, but I can, I could literally, uh, we used to play stuff over the email back in the day. I, I kind of like a slower pace game where I can get up, walk around for a while, so I could absolutely, in fact, that's what I did a lot. I had this one at the lab, and I would just come in and and, uh, and play with it, and it was fun. Uh, it was, it, I mean, despite the fact that I've been kind of ragging on it, I like the aspects. I mean, they did everything that, that you would want to do. I mean, we've both played these board games where you've got a million pieces, and you set the board up, and it's just such a huge mm -hmm. hassle, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, I like the idea of having the games computerized. Hey, listen, I've played Hero Quest a ton of times, and setting that things up is, a, I don't, I'd rather just play something where it just, the computer takes care of line of sight. There's no right. arguments. The, right. You know, this computer takes care of like how far you can move. Uh, that makes it fun for me. Uh, and so uh, uh, I would definitely play this again. I I, I thought I kind of I kind of liked it. I mean, despite its shortcomings, I think I could get better at it. But I'm not. That's the one thing about it that holds me back. So I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. That makes me suck so bad. Now I read some other reviews of this game from other people, and it's often mentioned that this is a really hard game, and and I never saw anyone say like, "Oh, this was a piece of cake. I crushed mm -hmm. it." So I and I watched a couple of people play the, through the first couple of missions, and they would spend like hours and hours. I mean, they would play a, a long time, you know. Now I never lasted that long, but it may maybe it's just a, uh, a kind of a. a some kind of deal where it's attrition. You have to just kind of wait it out. Well, and luck, you know, you know luck the... has a tremendous amount to do with it too, because all of combat is based on dice roll. And so, you know, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. So you've got to weigh that against it. And Pixels at Dawn in the chat points out that there is a two player option in this game. I, I'd for, I, I'd three player. Can you play three player? You can select all the factions. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't make that abundantly clear. 
uh, in the uh, in the character select screen. I see how you can do it. Um, and I did, I read that after I'd played it, but then I'd forgotten it again, of course. Um, and so uh, I, of course I didn't play this two player, but I think it would be more fun playing this game two player. Um, and I'm just like you, you know, like I play turn by turn Robo Rally for, you know, I played that for years. Uh, you know, I don't have anything against, you know, turn-based slow games, but this is just a, another one of these where it's just like the, the, you know, it's just, it's just mindless, mindless, like tracking down a guy. And she, it's why I don't, it's why I'd rather play something like Cthulhu than D&D because, you know, D&D is all combat based. That's the main part of the game. And I'd rather do other things besides just, you know, chop goblins heads off or whatever. So what, so what, if I'm hearing this right, what you're saying is you think it's a pretty well executed uh, version of a board game, and, and then if people were into this, they would probably enjoy it. But it, you don't particularly enjoy this Correct. genre of game. Correct. Does that yes. sum it up. I do enjoy a, a murder slog. Uh, you like Walker? I, you got mm-hmm. that right, buddy. And man, there's a new version. Oh man! But anyway, uh, uh, I, I can get into this. Like I said, I throw out the the uh, stuff that's lame. I, it's funny the bad guy. You know, whenever the bad guy takes his turn, you just you feel like you know you're just gonna get stomped. Mm-hmm. That's something. It's so depressing. So I would rather play with a human. But I mean, I think it's got to be a way to not suck the su- at playing by yourself. But I haven't found it yet. But it, I, overall, it does it does well what it's supposed to do, which is simulate the Space Crusade game. I would like to, something they should have included was maybe some difficulty levels, which they don't have. That would have helped a lot. But the music's good. The graphics are passable. The interface is perfectly fine, and the uh, and the fun factor it's sort of there. So uh, overall, I, I I would say above average. How okay. about that? Yeah, I would. And for me, on a game like this, above average is way up there for anyone because you know me, yeah. turn based strategy. Not I would my give bag. this one above average too, even though it's not my bag. It's 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 a good good effort for sure. Yeah, um, we got. Uh, I took a look at to see how this did on the old uh, on the old uh, review box here. This was highly thought of on the old Lemon Buster. Was it? Uh, 8.06. Uh, yeah. So you're up over 8. If you get up over 8, you're doing pretty good. Uh, this game actually is one of the best, was one of the highest reviewed games we've ever done. Uh, Amiga Action uh, gave it a 91. Amiga Computing gave it a 91. Amiga Format uh, gave this thing an 82%. Amiga Mania gave it an 80. Amiga Power gave it an 85 CU Amiga gave this thing a 92, and of course uh, the one came in at an 89. Hmm. Boat, did we get any uh, Discord? We did. We did. Boy? Pixels at Dawn says a chilled and faithful interpretation of the classic board game with I now realize one of the best themes on the Amiga, courtesy of Barry Lech. Odd though that you have to hit a toggle key in game to get the excellent in game music. I did think that was strange it's too. It's F10 or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's in the docs. There are other important elements of the UI that aren't obvious unless you read the manual either. The plotting pace yes. might be too much for some people, and getting used to the mechanics can take a while, but otherwise, it's a strongly strategic game that both looks and sounds excellent. Extra points for the iconic isometric view 7.5 out of 10. Jason Warren says, curious, 7 out of 10. Lord Soup. (laughs) Yeah, Jason, he's with the one-word reviews. I love it. Lord Soup writes, great fun conversion of the board game hindered only by the board game's reliance on randomness. The RNG has a touch too much influence on the game, but still a lot of fun. 7 out of 10. Rushi says, 
a neat conversion of the board game, ironically creating an experience that felt more complex and unfortunately tedious than the later ports of Space Hulk. Many of the same pacing problems of Hero Quest, albeit worse because of the squads, but still leaps and bounds brisker and more entertaining than the physical board game. When I started collecting boxed Amiga software, this was towards the top of the list and playing it today really captures what I was seeing in my head while moving those plastic pieces so long ago. And finally, Duncan Stiles writes, I have played this on the Amiga and CPC and enjoyed it on both. The Amiga adds better graphics and sound, but otherwise they are both fun but slow games, though that's the nature of the beast. Definitely worth playing 8 out of 10. Yeah, pretty high scores. I will say, I did look at this on the PC, as I mentioned, and the PC version is uglier, sounds crappier, and it's less fun. So I would definitely, I don't, I can't, I can't say anything about the other versions, but the Amiga version I've read was the best definitive version. Um, I looked this up on the eBay boat. Uh, if you, oh, you know, one thing we didn't mention, and we didn't play this either, but I want to mention it. Uh, there was a uh, expansion disc for this thing. A boat. I don't know if you I, know. Oh, I, I, I repeatedly clicked on that icon as I could not remember what actually yeah. started the game. <laughs> it's called Space Crusade: The Voyage Beyond. Mm-hmm. I didn't play it because I thought one of these days we might have, we might jump into that one as well. But uh, it is out there, and it's it's in fact, uh, uh, if you get the, uh, I, I played this on several different uh, machines. I played this uh, on my work machine. I played it here. I played it on the Amiga, and I can tell you that the company has a, a very proper working version of this in one of their EXEs that includes the uh, the disc, the expansion disc. Uh, I looked this up on eBay. If you're looking for this thing, I, uh, you're going to be paying somewhere between thirty and fifty-five bucks for a boxed version. I'd say probably on the high end. Of yeah, that. I imagine uh, there, there's this is yeah. this is one of these types of games that's drawn from the Venn diagram of uh, Amiga collectors and Warhammer people. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I will say of the two, I probably like HeroQuest more, but I would probably play this one more just because. Um, you know, it's this is a little more straightforward. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think they're both good games. Maybe, maybe we'll have a go here. I could have sworn we played Hero Quest already, but maybe that's one in the future. Um, we want to thank uh, Amigos Game Selection Committee member and Commissioner uh, Pixels at Dawn for suggesting this to the committee, and we want to thank the committee for voting on it. Uh, another great pick by the Amigos Game Selection Committee. If you, yeah, if you want to be part of that committee, uh, feel free to uh, support us over on patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. Um, before we get to the Patreon song, I want to thank all of the fine folks that have joined us in the chat today. We got Duke L. Hudson, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, Mitsuyama, Zuper Dan, who couldn't forget Zuper Dan, uh, Hermski's here, L. Curtis B., uh, Retro Jerry, uh, Jost80 is here. Amiga Cami joining us. Uh, Picard2010. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us in the chat. Uh, Frodo and L, if I forgot to mention you. Uh, we do record the show live every Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time uh, at twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. We want to thank all the people that subscribe to us on Twitch, support the channel financially in that way. Uh, Buck Owens, Rory27, Mitsuyama, Rushi MSX, GoToGoSub, Retro Jerry, Old B Sturgeon, Ricky DeRocher, Ant Jarvis, Frodo NL, Christian Russell, Wing Chun Wolf, Macintosh Librarian, Still Adolescing, Jost80, and G. Webkey. 
Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, guys. And now, Aaron, uh, before we get to the Patreon song, we do have some new supporters that I'd like to welcome, new Patreon supporters. Uh, we want to welcome Cap'n Crispy to the Amigos Game Selection Committee. Welcome, Cap'n. You know what they say? We love you, You and the Cap'n can make it happen. Uh, and we have uh, some new supporters, too. Uh, Dave Velociraptor is here. Uh, we welcome Dave. Dave has already become ingrained into the Discord community. We really like He saved our honey. He That's that. right. We like having him around. <laughs> uh, he's helped us out where there were some episodes of Amigos that needed to be reordered. So I took care of that today. And we have uh, a new guy that just joined up the other day. His name is Ray, the video guy. And he says, uh, I am proud to no longer be a freeloading tuna head. I am <laughs> I am a longtime Amiga user and C64 user before that. I got my 500 as soon as they launched and a 1200 as soon as that launched and a slightly gray market CD32 from Canada as soon as that launched. So this guy is hardcore. I love it. He'll fit right he in. He says, eh? on the pro side, I was also an A4000 toaster slash flyer owner and user for many years producing videos for businesses and for weddings. Uh, his favorite games are Monkey Island 1 and 2, Shadow of the Beast 1 and 2, mostly to show off the graphics to the Nintendo dweebs, which I guess makes sense as long as you don't actually play the game. Alien Breed, Wings, It Came from the Desert, Project X, Shadow Fighter, list goes on and on. And yes. he says, for, for the Good purposes of my retroactivities, I shall henceforth be known as Commodore. I sent him a message saying, we've already got a Commodore here. We, got our, we already got Flack, who is Commodore on, twit, on Good Twitter. Good choice, though. And so uh, we'll see if he wants to choose another handle or if he wants to be known as Commodore. That's okay, too. I will say, Ray, if you have not read Commodore yet, plug, plug for our good buddy, Rob Flack O'Hara. A tremendous book, quote. I love that book. It spoke to me. It was perfect for someone my generation. I didn't have a Commodore, but he did the same kind of chintzy, under-the-table baloney that I did. Copy parties, BBS hacking, screwing around with fracking, all this crazy <laughs> stuff. It was perfect. If you haven't read Commodore, for God's sakes, go it's get an a awesome copy. Book. It's cool. Yeah. yeah, of course, Rob's a long-term friend of the podcast. He's been on the show. He came to visit Amigo Studios. He's a great guy. I hope that one day he uh, picks up the podcasting mic again because he's he's a treasure. Oh, yeah. He's sorely yeah. missed. Yeah. All right, Aaron. If you know this week's Patreon song... Oh, I forgot to announce the winners of last week's Patreon song. Uh, last week, the we were all winners. Yeah, buddy. last week with the the, the <laughs> epic cool. music video uh, put together by Pixels at Dawn. Don't dream it's over by Crowded House. What I like to call Hey Now, Hey Now. That's what I always call. Is that it. what you call that? Um, <laughs> Paul Kitchen got it right. Terry Howard, Frodo and L, Jost, Adi Mitsuyama, Rich Drury, Christian Roussel, Zorglub, and Joski Rock all got it correct. So um, congratulations, Keep guys! That one, yeah, that was that was a, it was a good one. It was the love theme from Stephen King's The Stand. Let's not forget about that. Was it either. really? It got played in there about a thousand times, I believe, as I recall. Yeah, The Stand that the, I didn't like the, that. The, you know, the yeah. miniseries. We were just talking about that on the on the Discord the other day. Yeah, it, I didn't like the book or the miniseries, mm. but there you go. It had Molly Ringwald. Uh, you got that going for it. Well, if you know this week's uh, Patreon song challenge, you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com, and I will announce your name as a winner on next week's episode.
Velociraptor cowbird boy. Joel Fuchs, Lane Benson, Luke Hudson. John Cook, Rich Drury, Roshi, Frodo, and L. Soul and size, a tech mage, Jurgen. Daniel Williams Bernard Lucas Jerry Dennington's Orgla Commodore Kid Reflection Simon Letch Captain Crispy Kilobytes and Caffeine Mike W. Gary Heather Free Lunch Kate Fox David Pickford Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster, Minator. Ten minutes, the retro cast. Bernard Quinn, retro man cave. Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, College. Rob O'Hara, Matthew Larry Moore, Andy Craig. Gonzo, Bartlett, Rollenberg, and Grumans, Joe Zombie, Leaf Kellan, Alec Hebach, Checo Taylor, Lord John Marshall. Ricky DeRoche, a creepy dead boy. Figgy CTZ, the slow Norris. Stepan Sorgard Martinson, Edvin Helen. Blindo 75, Christopher Hassel. Rabbi Abbott. Dreamcatcher, Lauren Giroux, Graham Bebke, Adam Battersby. O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Huckasee, Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tips from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rule, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Cummings, Butch Dodd, Daniel Bingston. There, 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 there it goes. The Jason Walls. This is it, though. Kyobjorn Barman. All right.
Well, if you know that one, John at AmigosPodcast.com. Aaron, next week, we are... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Remember that question we had the other day about it, uh, moonshine? Yeah, remember that? I remember that. Ask yeah. Amigos? Did you have a, a boatload of moonshine and then decide to put that video together? Maybe, maybe. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Thank you. Carry on. Next week, it is public domaination. Oh, these are always death. They are dude. always death, but we've got to do them. It's like taking your castor oil. So, okay, what do you got this space time? Space Taxi 6 and Chuck are you Rock 2. Space Hold Taxi on. 6? Space Taxi 3 and Alien Bash 2. Two sequels that one is the third one. Did we play it? We've never played any of the first one or two well, I, of these things. I played Space I've Taxi. Played, but yeah, no I played Space Taxi on the C64. But uh, Space Taxi 3? Yeah, yeah. And what was the other Alien one? Alien Bash 2. Alien Bash. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen. One thing's for sure. We've played a lot of public domain games on this show. And everyone a winner. We've never, we've never got a it's sour never, one They've and all I been gold. Feeling, I got a strong feeling that Alien Bash Two could be the best <laughs> game we've ever played. We'll have to. You'll, you'll have to tune in next week to find out, fair listener, as we uh, move into Amigos episode two hundred and fifty-three. I think is next week. Is that so? We just do went you, right over. Do you know what two fifty was? Landmark strikes and spares. <laughs> That's where we are, 250 we really, episodes in. We really commemorated that <laughs> yeah. one. And thankfully, the people came out in droves to watch the video, that's for sure. No one 